Hey everyone, welcome to Locked on Lakers for Wednesday. Brian Kamenetsky, Andy Kamenetsky. The Lakers go into Madison Square Garden on Tuesday and they drop their 10th game of the season, 106-100. The final score, Andy, 19 games in. The Lakers are a sub-500 team. Anthony Davis was sick on Tuesday. LeBron James was absent uh, thanks to suspension. It's just kind of how things have been going uh, and more par for the course. We'll talk about that and much more on Locked on Lakers. You are Locked On Lakers, your daily Los Angeles Lakers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I want to thank everyone for making Locked On Lakers your first listen of every day, Monday through Friday. We get this thing up for you, uh, whether the news is good or bad. Uh, we are going to take Thanksgiving off, as should you. Um, but we'll have a show for you this week on Friday. Uh, so me, uh, please make sure you tune in for that one or download it or however people. I think that's a very radio thing to say about a podcast. Tune in. Uh, this episode of Locked on Lakers brought to you by Truebill. Truebill is the new app that saves you money by helping you identify and stop paying for the subscriptions you don't want or need and can even negotiate better deals on those you want to keep. Um, a bunch we want to get into today. Frank Vogel had some very pointed comments and revealing comments, I think, about the defense and the way they've been playing and why. Um, Russell Westbrook had an excellent third quarter, uh, particularly second half in uh, New York on Tuesday, and continues to sort of be on the upswing, I think, in his play. But uh, that is being balanced a little bit by THT, who had disastrous, um, a disastrous uh, Tuesday night in the Garden. But let's start here, Andy. 106-100. The Lakers you know, fall behind by 25. They do all the fighting back. They don't quit on the game. They don't, all, all these other things. Um, but ultimately, they drop another game because either the defense fails them, which it did in the first quarter, falling, you, know, you give up 36 points to the Knicks, who are not a good offensive team in the first quarter, or the offense fails them, which it did at the end of the game when they only scored 19 points in the fourth. This game is sort of, I thought to me, was like a microcosm of the entire season. A bunch of guys missing. Uh, defense sucks at times. Offense sucks at times. And they can't get everything working in the same way at the same time all the way through. Well, I mean, if you're looking for the game within the game in terms of uh, emblematic representations of the season, Brian, you could look at the opening, like, the opening two and a half minutes of this game against the Knicks where the Lakers managed to fall behind 10 nothing in like actually I'm looking at it right now under 2 minutes a combination of turnovers and inability to get back on defense and Evan Fournier really hot Kemba Walker scoring from inside Julius Randle scoring from inside and that in and of itself is the offense and the defense Failing them. All yeah, I mean, the, the, entire, the first three minutes of that game for the Lakers were set to the Benny Hill theme. Like right. that was that was basically what was going on. But also, though, that becomes a, a microcosm of a lot of what the Lakers have been dealing with in this season of just starting a game from inside a hole and then being given like a shovel 
where the scoopy end is like only half attached. <laughs> I believe that's the technical term. The, the scoopy, scoopy end. Part. Yes, I believe is, that is, is what it's they only, call it. It's only half attached. That's what attached. Big Shovel calls that part of the shovel, yes. Right, it's only half attached to the handle. And like if you put too much dirt in it, like it won't stay and the dirt will fall out. So you're you're working with these suboptimal circumstances just to get yourself out of the hole. You You can't do that if you're the Lakers working with one hand tied behind your back and dealing with these disadvantages. We've talked about this a lot, Brian, like their margin for error is so small right now. And you know, that whether you're talking about these times where inexplicably they lose focus, they don't put in the requisite effort. And Avery Bradley said after the game, we are not good enough to turn it off and on right now, just point blank, which is Something I know. Right, I, I think, and I, I don't think he's just referring to effort. I think he's also thinking to referring to attention to oh, abs- to all of execution it. and all that stuff. So I don't think you know in, in, that he's saying we don't try hard enough all the time. I think he's saying we're not either focused enough. We are not, pay, you know, we're not, you know, attuned to the details of what they're trying to. This gets to what Frank Vogel talked about, which we'll, you know, we'll get to as a very revealing comment. But he is correct. I mean, however you want to frame it, the answer is no, they are not good enough. We, we, we talked about this sort of humility that they need. They need to play like the Oklahoma City Thunder. Play real damn hard. They're not good, but they play really hard. Mark Daniels got them playing hard. Um, they need to play like a team that isn't good. Because, Andy, 19 games into this season, the Lakers are 9-10. and 10. They're this against a very, very easy schedule relative to the rest of the league, you know, in their strength of schedule numbers and all that stuff. Um, their point differential in the Western Conference puts them below San Antonio, below San Antonio. Last time I checked, not a good team. Below Sacramento. They have a worse point differential by a lot than Jesus. Sacramento. <laughs> I didn't know that, but God neither did I because I was so focused on the Spurs part of it. I didn't even look one wow. up. Wow. Sacramento at six and twelve has a negative two point four point differential. The Lakers at nine and ten are negative three point seven. You know, there's some weird stuff going on. No, Memphis is nine and eight. They're actually worse than the Lakers. But like, okay, we're locked on Grizzlies. We'll tackle that for you if you're really interested. <laughs> But like, they're not good, and you know it's it's the place that they're at right now is not made up for the instant LeBron comes back, and you know there I, I and I forget LeBron and Nunn and Ariza and Reeves. Just give me ten games with the big three together, because at the very least, the Lakers need to get that part of it going. The sporting cast matters. Don't get me wrong. But like there, there is such a dramatic gap right now between where the Lakers are, even when all these guys play, and where they need to go. Like, I'm not. It's not. It's not over. I'm not saying that. But like, they it, people need to understand. Like, they are a long, long ways away. They can get there, but they are a long way away from being a even a, a team that can. Pretend that they're championship caliber. So let's change the subject. Let's talk about a couple happy things because the contrast that we're getting at here, you know, is is I think emblematic of what we saw Tuesday from Russell Westbrook and then from THT, who went in very different directions on Tuesday. We'll talk about that next. 
Locked on Lakers brought to you by Truebill. You know why free trials renew without your consent? It's a business scam out to get you. Don't let greedy corporations pocket your money. Download Truebill to take control of your, all your subscriptions. Truebill is the new app that helps you identify and stop paying for subscriptions you don't want, need, or just forgot about. Like on average, people save up to $720 a year with Truebill. That is an incredible amount of savings. Company, they make subscriptions hard to cancel, but Truebill, they make it incredibly simple. Just link your accounts and Truebill will cancel your unwanted subscriptions in one tap. Over 2 million users and they've helped them save over 100 million dollars. That is staggering. So don't fall for subscription scams. Start canceling today at truebill.com slash locked on NBA. Go right now, truebill.com slash locked on NBA. It could save you thousands a year. Truebill.com slash locked on NBA. Hey, Andy, you know what I love? Thanksgiving. Uh, all the good food, the treats. Oh, love treats. Uh, maybe you want a, a, a great dessert, but you need one that isn't so full of calories and sugar. It's a perfect time for Built Bar. Built Bar, Andy's the new holiday dessert. You feast on something delicious, but you actually get to feel good about it. One slice of pie, Andy. We'll just use pie as an example. 300 calories, and that's on the low end if you're eating like a little tiny wedge. Nobody does that. I mean, you're the holidays. You eat a big slice of pie like a man. Most Built Bars, they're only 130 calories and four grams of sugar, and they've got plenty of protein to keep you full throughout the day so you're not just constantly snacking on stuff. So you replace the coconut cream pie with a coconut Built Bar. Go for a raspberry Built Bar instead of a raspberry pie, and there are lots of good flavors to replace any damn pie you can think of. So they're low-calorie, low-carb, low-fat, high in protein, covered in 100% real chocolate. Share some of your family in the gatherings. It'll make things less awkward. Maybe Aunt Betty. You have everybody's got an Aunt Betty. Maybe she hasn't tried a Built Bar yet. Uh, new surprises all month. <laughs> we <limited don't>. time. <laughs> everyone. Everyone has an Aunt Betty. Don't, don't kill the illusion. Limited time flavors arriving at Built.com regularly. So check the site off. And, uh, and there's nothing like a Built Bar Black Friday. Mark your calendars. Black Friday will be a huge event with all sorts of surprises. Tell Aunt Betty, whoa, check out Built.com, Aunt Betty, and use that promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your order. Use that promo code LOCKED15, Aunt Betty, for 15% off at Built.com. Um, Russell Westbrook is looking better. Uh, he was a big reason the Lakers came back in that game on Sunday against Detroit. He was a big reason the Lakers had a chance to win on Tuesday. Um, he did not start the game well. The Lakers, again, Benny Hilled the first three minutes of the of the game away. But we and he saw, had two turnovers uh, during those three minutes. Right, five in the first half. Um, but we saw like, oh, third quarter. Okay, this is the Russell Westbrook that can take over games like a superstar does changing speeds, getting into the paint, finishing at the basket, finding open players, you know, caused a couple turnovers uh, for the other team, for the Knicks, I should say, forced. Um, we're starting to see much more of this than terrible Russ. Uh, yeah. That we, you know, uncomfortable Russ. Uh, that is a good sign. It needs to happen with LeBron on the floor, and they got to figure that part out. But at the very least, he's getting some good minutes under his belt, which I think overall will help everything. Yeah, he first of all, we've talked about this a lot heading into the season, particularly given Russ's early games. He is notorious for slow starts and getting better as the season goes along. And we saw that with the Wizards. It happened with the Rockets. And it, I think so far it's happening with this season with the Lakers. And if anything, it's actually paced better. Then it's happened the last few teams Russ has been with in the last few seasons. He was and, awful last year in the first half in Washington before. Yeah. Legitimately awful. 
Yeah, I mean, there there were circumstances surrounding him and stuff like that, and, and he but had some I'm injury issues. And on, stuff. I'm just talking about the on-court performance. Yeah, he was absolutely. Not good. Absolutely. And he's starting to become more comfortable out there. He and Anthony Davis, I think, are actually starting to play extremely well off each other. And it's extremely important that this trend continues and it gets built upon, not just because, obviously, as we talked about, the Lakers are in a place where they really need to start winning some games. They really need to start bringing out the best versions of themselves, but also because Russ is often a pretty big factor, I think, in determining wins versus losses. Like looking right now at his splits with wins, his field goal percentage, 46.1 from the field, losses, 39.2. Wins, 32.4 from behind the arc, losses, 25.6. True shooting of 52.3% versus 47 percent, 21 points per almost 22 per game in wins, 17 in losses, averages two more assists per games in wins versus losses. Like you're going to. And I mean, I should have mentioned you're the Lakers. He he went 31 for 31, 13 and 10 uh, on Tuesday, had two steals and he hit eight of his nine free throws. He got to the free throw line nine times and he hit eight of them. Um, You know, both of those things are significant. Nine free throws for Westbrook tells you he is taking his shots where you want Russell Westbrook's shots to come from. Um, you know, he's attacking, he's being aggressive. Um, it, it, it's a contrast, though, to what we saw from THT, who had three great games when he came back from, from the thumb and has had three pretty poor games since then, including on Tuesday where he literally didn't score. I mean, it was bad. And, you know, the shot selection was bad the the results were bad the the sort of the, the quality he just didn't look good and you know it's more stuff that feels like this season you kind of take a step forward with look at how russ is playing and then you pull back with tht because and this this gets to where i'm sort of sympathetic with frank vogel and some of the people who complain about the uh about the the lineup choices he makes you know, a week ago, we were sort of hoping, could THT be that consistent two-way player that this team badly needs um, from the supporting cast? And he still obviously could. He's only played six games. But the for, for three games, it looked like, absolutely, no question. Like, this solves so many problems. And then the next three, it's like, well, maybe not. Maybe he's still 20. Maybe we need to pump the brakes a little bit. And this is true of literally everybody Frank Vogel gets to choose from who isn't a member of the big three. I mean, it's a reminder that Taylor Horton Tucker, I believe, has still not played 82 regular season games Correct. in his career. And he is being asked to do a lot. You know, Frank Vogel talked after one of, one of his good performances how they were looking to groom him to be the guy who guards an opponent's best wing player or maybe even their best four. And on one hand, that does speak to you know, best case scenario, the confidence they have in THT, I guess, worst case scenario, the lacking options, but either way, you're, you're not going to, why do I have to choose Andy? Well, I think the answer to both of those is yes. Sure. But, but here's the thing though, if you really thought that he could not do it, you wouldn't put him in that position because it would only, it would only make that commitment, uh, that you had to him this off season and the contract that they gave him look that much worse. If you said, you know what, there's no way in hell THT 
can guard, you know, a Paul George or a Kawhi Leonard or, you know, somebody like that. Let's go have him do it for like the majority <laughs> of games. Like that that is only going to make you look organizationally worse. So like he's being asked to do a lot. I think he's actually, and this is something that you see a lot with younger players. I, I was hoping maybe the the first three games was a sign that he was outgrowing it. He's starting to speed up again. Like he is yeah, starting to play, I, he, he was starting he was way too fast on Tuesday. Absolutely. Yeah, he is starting to play in a way where the game looks either too fast for him and he's trying to catch up to that speed, or if just youth and exuberance and not knowing everything he's supposed to be doing, not having had enough reps. So a lot of this is just second nature. Whatever the explanation is, and it may be a combination of all of it, he's playing a lot of times flat out out of control. Yeah, and they they've got to find a way to wind him back. Um, and and some of it, that, some of it, to be fair, is just reps. I mean, get sure. out of the floor for any player who hasn't played, missed the preseason, hasn't, any, and you're and you're joining, you know, this you're joining the regularly scheduled program already in progress. Like that is a hard thing to do, and. You know, I think we all got a little. I think it's fair to say, Andy, Lakers fans were. I've been looking for anything to to get to where you just feel optimistic and happy about something. You know, maybe a little too hopeful in unfair ways about THD's first three games, and like, okay, this is what it's going to be. I mean, you know, it, it is reasonable to expect him to need five, ten, fifteen games to really gain consistency. But the flip side is the Lakers are in a position where it's hard to feel like they have that kind of time. I, that's what I was going to say. I think a lot of the excitement about THT wasn't even so much getting ahead of yourself or getting too excited. It was recognizing we need somebody like THT the way he's played the last three games. Like this is a necessary component if we are going to pull ourselves out of the abyss yeah. that's been the opening quarter of this season. Like th this is something that could be a potential game changer. And, you know, we, we've talked about this a lot, Brian, like THT is being put in a position where his importance matters a lot. And we have said many times that it did him no favors to be put in a position where it seemed like the organization, or I'm not going to say seems like they did, chose between him and Alex Caruso and Caruso being a much more seasoned, ready guy for the importance of where the Lakers are right now, for the importance uh, of players who know exactly what they can do for elite contending teams. We've seen Alex Caruso do this. If, you, if you're asking me who I think is going to be the better or more explosive player in three or four years, could very well be THT, although the way Caruso is playing right now, if nothing else, he's going to be a fixture on all defense teams. But Alex Caruso is somebody that would not solve all of their problems this season, but he definitely could address certain things in tangible ways that you know would be reliable. At the, at the very least, the Lakers would have a much better, could have entered the season with a much better idea of what it was going to look like uh, with less mystery. They, they, they say with Caruso instead. I mean, they saved again. half a million bucks uh, towards the tax <laughs> with LeBron getting suspended. Do you think if they had known that in advance, they might have signed Caruso? Can you imagine? Like, imagine if that was it. Like, they went over the budget by half a million dollars. And no, we did. Like, then you're right. Saying, like, do you think if do you think if they had known? All right, it's going to be half a million bucks less in luxury tax 
than we had initially uh, how, how about this calculated game? because of LeBron's salary. Right. Like, do we keep Caruso? Or well, how about this? Well, like, if there's a way that you could just like solve this problem with strategic suspensions. <laughs> you just you make sure that AD gets suspended like seven games for violating team rules, or you know, like you give four or five to LeBron and you just earn that money back with suspensions without pay, or figure out a way for the league to do it. I mean, they, um, look, if that's the case, they should have been able to see certain things in advance. You know Westbrook's going to get enough techs. He's going to get suspended for a game. Melo is going one. to get enough yeah. techs. He's going to get suspended. Like by the, this, by Dwight the time, is a reasonable bet with that. Right. At least one guy over the course of this season is going to get ejected for doing something like what happened with LeBron. He's going to get suspended. Like Organically, they could save two or three million bucks against the tax without even having to try. And the LeBron suspension has found money. He's never been suspended before. So like they've are, they're already ahead. Um, Frank Vogel said something that I thought was very interesting when asked about the Lakers and how they are evolving defensively. Uh, it was revealing on all sorts of levels and gets to this question too about what kind of roster they have. We'll talk about it next. Locked on Lakers brought to you by Bet Online. Back better than ever. New web interface. More props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online remains your number one spot for all basketball and football action this season head to the new updated desktop or mobile website sign up today receive your 50 percent welcome bonus on your first deposit just use the promo code locked on to receive that bonus from basketball football nhl boxing ufc right down to your favorite vegas casino games don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season bet online the fastest easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports bet online where the games start all right, so Andy, let me let me start with a couple numbers here because uh, Vogel was asked about um, the defense and and you know how they're trying to adjust and the things they're sort of doing and, and what direction they're going and and this the typical stuff that coaches get asked when they led thirty six points in the first quarter and then suddenly turn it on and and play lockdown defense for a couple quarters against an admittedly um, scuffling Knicks offense. He says, quote, yeah, we're evolving as a defense. Our coaching staff is trying to be really creative with the personnel that we have and trying to put them in positions to succeed. There are some details to our man-to-man defense that are taking time for our guys to pick up. And we're having too many breakdowns, especially early in the game, but we're mixing a ton. We're also mixing in a ton of zone. And sometimes that can impact your focus and assignments in man-to-man if you're switching back and forth. So it's all part of our evolution and learning what we can do with this group on the defensive side of the ball. And it keeps going from there. There is a lot in here, and is a, to me at least, Andy, is about as close as you'll ever hear Frank Vogel get to saying, hey, Rob, TF, did you expect me to do with this bunch? Because what he's saying here is a lot of stuff, Andy. It's like we're doing the best we can with what we've got. We have to figure out who the hell these people are and what exactly they're capable of doing. They apparently can't play man-to-man in the way that we expect. We have to play a lot of zone, which coaches don't want to do at the NBA level for a lot of reasons. And then, But we have to do it so much that they can't play man-to-man when we're done. I'm not saying that's what he was doing, but that's what it felt like to me, is a little bit of, I'm going to defend myself here against the criticism that I know is out there about how we're playing. Um, I I think he's frustrated with a group that, if nothing else, can't play defense in the way that Vogel wants a team to play. Like his his defensive principles and the things that he wants a team to be doing, this team is not capable uh, of pulling off. 
So he's got to make different types of adjustments. And the problems that you have right now with this team is if you start looking to try to go what would be most defense first, I guess, with this group, you're going to find uh, combinations where the offense suffered. If you try to go in the reverse where you say, okay, we don't have the defensive horses to make this happen, so let's look for the best scoring options, you're going to have those defensive issues and the scoring hasn't been consistent enough. And it's really difficult to find the best possible combinations that work. Like, and Wayne, you just mentioned- as, as, to, 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 to reinforce your point, Wayne Ellington and Malik Monk, who are sort of designed to be your designated three-point shooters, semi-instant offense off your bench, whatever it might be, Ellington and Monk together were 6 of 17, including 2 of 10 from three-point range against the Knicks. Mello was 3 of 14, um, including 2 of 8 from three-point range. This is actually a rare, big offensive game from Avery Bradley who had 15 points and hit three of his eight three-pointers. But like, like how, do you, how are you supposed to find consistency in that when your options are this all over the place? Because if Monk's not giving you the offense, he's certainly not giving you the defense. Well, okay, and then you end up with something like in the third quarter where uh, of this game where the Lakers started getting back into it. DeAndre Jordan was really good defensively. Like This, this was one of the best quarters that DeAndre's had and really, I think as a Laker, but in particular defensively, he was a big help for them. And he ended up with 11 rebounds. The Lakers have been suffering a lot on the glass, which is, to be fair, a reason that Frank Vogel is inclined to put Jordan on the floor. Because if you don't play him at all, and the way Dwight's, you know, Dwight's only been playing about 10, 15 minutes or so per game, he has not been particularly effective. I, I think he actually, in some ways, DeAndre Jordan is his meat shield because there's so much attention on DeAndre being in the starting lineup. Right, as a, and, the concept of DeAndre right, Jordan. Ex- exactly. As like, as the player. Exactly. There's so much focus on that. I think it's actually overshadowed the fact that, frankly, Dwight hasn't been really any consistently better than okay. Jordan, but you got to play one of them a little bit because you're not going to be playing Anthony Davis for 48 minutes regardless of the position he's at and they don't have any other size to speak of. I mean LeBron or Melo, like that's it. Right. Like that's and, not and we, you know, that's not we, enough. We make, we make the joke all the time like you know you talk about Trevor Reza coming back and I just refuse I refuse to I'm not and I love Trevor. I mean, Trevor, I mean, he's one of my favorite people that we've had a chance to be around in the NBA. But he's also 37 years old right. and coming off an injury. And like, I, I can't even wrap my head around the idea of saying, well, when Trevor comes back, because I need to see it work first. So to that point, but that, but all that's I'm fine, though, but at they least left themselves with a gigantic gap in their roster to try to solve these problems. But here's the thing, though, with, with Trevor, he gives them optionality. Like if Trevor can play. 15, 17 minutes a night. If, where if, if, well, okay, if, but if he can do that, that gives them just different options that they don't currently have. It's it's like the way Markeith Morris, at his absolute best, which was nowhere close to being a star, gave the Lakers important options that ultimately played a big role in them winning a championship. It wasn't even that Markeith Morris was incredible. He had a couple pretty good games During the playoffs, he also had a few games where he didn't play at all, but he gave them the potential to do certain things. He gave them more options to come up with the best possible lineup. Those Lakers were starting from a better place because they were a true championship team. They won the damn thing. 
But this team needs as many options I, I, as I'm, possible. I'm not, Andy, I'm not debating the utility of Trevor. I'm not debating the potential value that he has coming back. What I'm saying is it is a that the Lakers are in a position where you can legitimately so not everything depends on Trevor Reza coming back. And it's let's not be hyperbolic. I'm not trying I mean, you're not, obviously, and I don't want to sound that way either. You sound ultimate, a little bit that way. If but, I'm but, being honest, but let me but let me finish. Ultimately, what you know, the defense will hinge on how how effective, honestly, you that LeBron and AD can can be down the stretch. But you know, you're talking about Trevor Reza being able to play a significant role to try to shore up what they have in terms of the ability to do it. And my point is, if you have that as one of the critical things that can help get your defense back to a place that is good enough to go win a title, and it, I would, and I don't think that's hyperbolic. You, I, I, I'm not putting words in your mouth to say that, am I? Like this is an important component of what they sure. want need to be. That is a really precarious place to be because he is 37 years old. He's going to be coming off a massive layoff and a big injury, and 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 hoping that that is you know one guy in that situation can can help show. That is a really precarious situation. See, I don't I don't in. think of it so much as that one guy being Trevor Ariza as much as I think about it that one guy being six eight. That one guy having Trevor's long arms, like they literally need somebody who is a you know, if not Trevor Reza, a stand-in for Trevor Reza. Like, <laughs> Trevor like, Reza's stunt double for real. Like <laughs> for when Trevor they shoot Ariza, for when they shoot the movie on green screen, you yes. get the guy. Yeah. If, if That's Trevor fine. Reza happens to have a stunt double or a doppelganger or whatever with better knees and ankles <laughs> and health, who's Three years picture younger. this like gangly fellow with braids sure, who sort of stands you know, on the court. You know yeah. what? He may not even have to be as good a basketball player as Trevor is in real life. I'm just saying like Trevor, just by virtue of filling out the, the prototype that he does, gives them options that they simply don't have right now. Well, Maybe I mean, those options ultimately don't end up mattering enough, but we won't know until you can at least... Try it, and right well, now they are. Then I think they maybe what you end up, having to, maybe what you end up of... having to do is find that guy. Like I, you know, like Avery Bradley. I know Frank Vogel loves him, Look, but they're going to have too many. They're going to like maybe you release that him how about and this? you find a player. You hope like, that Thad Young becomes available. Like San Antonio realized, what the hell is this guy on our roster for? And God, someone like him, Thad, Thad Young, could make a major difference on this team. Not because Thad Young is a star, but because Thad Young could give them certain lineup options where they don't have to play one weaker guy. Right, like maybe, one. Week- I don't know. I don't know how you get him. Maybe they buy him out. Maybe they. I mean, That's what I'm saying. Make, it, but it doesn't make. I don't think he. He's like no on the buyout money for that. On the buyout market, like right. But I'm like, saying, they, is he a guy that's going to? But I don't know. And we'll get. Well, I mean, obviously, over the course of the season, we'll get deep into the buyout market and stuff like that. But yes, it, the, they have left themselves with a big hole in their roster construction. And Rob, at least initially, had planned on filling that hole with Trevor Ariza, and it, it was it was a dangerous proposition then, and it's a particularly dangerous one now. And it, it makes me sympathetic to Vogel and Vogel, whether intentionally or not, it felt to me like, you know, we're trying all kinds of, sh- you know, stuff here in our locker room, me and our, and, and my coaching staff and what we're working with ain't easy folks. Um, okay. so I just, by the way, was, uh, 
I, I, just looked I it thought up. that was interesting. Just looked it up on Basketball Reference. Thaddeus Young is in the final year of his current contract. There is no reason for him to be on San Antonio. Any I agree with that. Unless they can trade him. If he doesn't end up traded, he's likely going to get bought out because I can't imagine that he wants to write out this season. He's made a fair amount of money. He'll end up a Laker because that's just how things are supposed to happen. Problem solved. Thad Young. Just sit tight, everyone, <laughs> until Thaddeus Young's season begins. And you go buy your Thad Young jerseys now so Dude. you have it when he debuts. All kidding. Like, oh, my God. All Thad kidding Young aside. Be, oh. They would – I seriously, I – if Thaddeus Young were real, if he ended up bought out and on the Lakers, like they should throw a parade on Figueroa just for that. <laughs> just the I, I, Thad Young parade. That's the kind of thing that gets other NBA fans to shoot their televisions, <laughs> Elvis style. Yeah. Hopefully. Um, I mean, we watched that game against San Antonio. We're both texting. I actually tweeted it like, God damn, he would just, he would be such a perfect fit. The biggest obstacle, by the way, for Thad Young and any of the Lakers, by the time the buyout market rolls around, the Lakers aren't a contender. Right. (laughs) (laughs) And um, I I have a feeling that uh, Pop would say, look, you want to get bought out? Fine. You ain't going there. (laughs) You can go anywhere you want. I don't know. But anyway, so Thad Young, future Laker, something to look forward to. Um, We will not have a show on Thanksgiving uh, we're going to take the day off. You should take the day off, too. The Lakers taking the day off. The NBA is taking the day off. We should all take the day off. Um, subscribe, though, please, to Locked on Lakers on YouTube. That is something, Andy, that we would be very thankful for uh, yes. during this holiday season. And we will see everybody on Friday.